It's good to be here again. Never in my wildest dreams would I thought I would preach two sermons back to back. To me, it's a lot of work, but it's also rewarding work. And uh, I enjoy the study. And as I promised you last Sunday, we will continue on with the signs of the times, the beginning of the end. And we're here. And um, last Sunday, we we didn't get much past further than the the introduction and uh, because of a pre-sermon. So I decided this Sunday, I will have a shorter pre-sermon. I was uh, woke up in the early hours of the morning this morning. And I'm like, last night I was like, well, maybe I'll just read Scripture and let the Scripture talk to talk talk for itself. And um, uh, in the family devotions, we read out of Daniel, and this one chapter really stood out to me. And I just thought, well, maybe I'll just read it and make no comment. The Bible can speak for itself, and what God can do through a man that is willing to be prophesied for him and to um, just be who he's supposed to be, what God wants him to be in dark times. And, and a man who, a young man who lived in captivity, especially thinking of this whole issue over, over in Ukraine and uh, the things that are happening there. Well, however, I, I picked up this magazine that I have in my headboard. I got a whole stack there. Some people think there's getting too much there, so they huck and chuck. And so I have to start, I'm starting all back over. And uh, I picked up this magazine. I grabbed it and and uh, I started reading about this conflict over this strait at the Dead Sea, or at the Red Sea, rather. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And uh, thank you. <clears throat> and uh, as you know, the Red Sea is where the children of Israel crossed and so forth and so on. There's a lot of things that happened around the Red Sea. And uh, the Red Sea, as you know, it um, has these two water legs going up. And down at the bottom is this narrow strip of water. And uh, it's called the Strait of, I'll see if I can uh, pronounce it uh, in Arabic. It means the Gate of Tears. But uh, in all reality, it's called uh, Babel Man... Dab. Babel Man Dab. It means in Arabic, the gate of tears. And so this, this, this water is only 16 miles wide. Okay? But, the, um, this is, I um, also looked in Wikipedia to get some more information about, but in this magazine, this um, that I was reading, the shipping lane is only two miles wide. In 16 miles of water, there's only about two miles of, of water they use for this shipping lane. Okay, and so also in this strait of um, in this in this narrow body of water, it's only 31 miles long. It's very narrow and it's also used for like commercial shipping, international merchant shipping. There's military vessels there. There's shipping, fishing uh, vessels in there. There's cruise ships. So there's a lot of going on in this little strip of water. And it's highly sought after by countries that want to, the, the Iranian government wants to control this water, this little body of water there. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going somewhere with all this. So the world cannot afford to have um, this, this, the, this little body of water that the governments fight over and argue over and want to take control and have power over. They cannot, they cannot afford, the world as a whole cannot afford to have lawlessness go on and with this body of water. And it accommodates, now get this, it accommodates 10% of the world oil supply. 
It accommodates 30% of global container traffic. Okay? So there's a lot going on in this little strip of water. And almost all the Mideast oil bound for Europe goes through this little neck of water. You may say, well, what's that in there for me? I was, I was laying in bed in the wee hours, 2, 3 o'clock this morning, thinking about all this. I thought, you know what? Let's turn to John 14.6, and you will see. John 14.6. And this says this. And this verse, this verse came to me. It says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay, let's go to John 10. And John 10, let's read 7 through, let's start at um, verse 7. It reads like this. Then said Jesus unto again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Let's go to Matthew. Then we'll continue on in Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Let's go over to... Uh, Thirteen. I must have misquoted that. Um, Matthew fourteen. It's not what I was looking for. I wonder. I'm not sure which verse I was looking for. It talks about Jesus being the door. Um, bummer. I thought it was a good verse. <laughs> but however, the point that I want to make with this, with this little parable, this little strait of water, Jesus says, I am the way. And if anybody is going to come to the Father, Jesus said, I am the door. I am that way. You know what? If these, these, these oil vessels are going to get into Europe, if they are going to go through up and through the, that little strait and through the Suez um, Canal, the man-made canal that was built back in 1860-something, they got to go through that little body of water to get there. Okay? And if we're going to, come to, if we're going to go to God, we have to go through Jesus. And that's my point. You know... For these, and for, for mankind to control this little body of water and cut that off so you cannot go there. You know, I'll, touch about the, I'll talk about this a little later in my, in, my, in my sermon. You know, the devil wants to take away, he wants to destroy, he wants to do all these things. Just like the Iranian government wants to control this little strip of water. And you and I sit here and say, why? Why would they want to do that? It's because they want to destroy, they want to take away, and exactly like the devil, he wants to squish that off your life. And he, and the, you know, the the world out there says there's there there's many different ways to God, but the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way. 
And, you know, that's, that's, um, that's what came to me this morning as I thought about a little pre-sermon text. Okay. Turn to Matthew 24. Let's continue on this. Um, we're just going to go through a few little highlights here this morning on Matthew 24. Uh, the signs of the times, the beginning of the end. We'll just go down through this again. And I just marked out some highlights in my introductions to bring everybody back to um, up to date, so to speak. Mankind, all he wants to look for, look into the future. But the only book that gives us 100% complete accuracy is the Word of God itself. That was one point. The next great event we are looking for in, 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 in uh, our day is, well, there's multiple ones, but the next greatest event we're really looking for, we as Christians, we're looking for when our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will return to this earth and claim His own. Today, we will look at what Jesus prophesied, what will happen and what did happen, as we read in Matthew 24, uh, the first uh, 11, 12, 14 verses. The temple we talked about last Sunday, the temple was a magnificent piece of artwork, the center of the Jewish life, both spiritually and socially. This temple was a magnificent piece of artwork that was built that the Jewish people looked up to and they could hardly believe these disciples. They could hardly believe that Jesus was actually prophesying doom to this building. And plus, he said on top of that, there's not going to be one stone left upon itself. You know, two stones put together. They're just like they couldn't fathom that. And yet, some 40 years later, it's exactly what happened. The Romans came in and destroyed. Um, We do not live by reason, but we live by revelation. We do not live by reason, but by revelation. Okay, Um, let's go to Revelation. Let's start off with Revelation um, Verse chapter 1, verse, the first three verses here, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of, the, of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And that's taken out of Revelation. You know, what an amazing um, book to read, even though there's a lot of things I don't understand. And then um, let's uh, start again by reading uh, Matthew 24, the first 14 verses. Let's start immediately. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto him, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another, that it shall not be thrown down. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. And the disciples came to him privately, saying, And here's the three questions we asked last Sunday. Here's three questions and get them. Tell us, what shall these things be? That's number one. And what shall the sign of thy coming? That's number two. And the end of the world. That's three. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no man deceive you. And many shall come in my name, saying, I am a Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars. And see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. 
All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and they shall, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But, get this, but he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And we'll just quit right there. And uh, we'll pick up here a little later, maybe the next down a little further. So here are these three questions that these uh, disciples asked Jesus. So the, and there are seven things I want to talk about, seven signs. And uh, we'll quickly go down through this. The, uh, seven, the first one, what would be the first one? And I like this. You know, Jesus, he talked about all these things. And, and one of the things he said, the first thing out of his mouth was, take heed that no man deceives you. I think that's interesting that he actually said that. Take heed that no man deceives you. You know, all these things are going to happen. All these things are going to come to play. But Jesus said, take heed that no man deceives you. Why did he say that? Because that is very important in today's age. And... Um, in verse four and five is the first is the, is our first one of our first of the seven. He said, "Take no man, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name and saying that I am Christ and shall deceive many." Okay, <clears throat> we're living in the last days. Let's go to um, Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, verse. 15. And it reads like this. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You know, there's a day coming. There is a day here. We are here now when people, many false prophets are out there. They look like sheep, but they are not sheep. They are dressed in wolves. They are um, hungry wolves. They are want, wanting to destroy. They are wanting to take away. They think they're doing what's right, but really they're false prophets. And they are not standing. They are not preaching God's word. Let's go to Matthew 24. Let's where we were. Here's the next thing. Verses. Um, let's look at 23 and 24. It says, "If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here's Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christ, false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive, deceive the very elect." And if we back up to verse 22, it said, Except those days should be shortened, there shall be no flesh saved. For the elect's sake, elect sake, those days shall be shortened. So it almost appears like God is going to shorten time for the elect's sake. And, um, okay. In John, 1 John, let's roll, let's roll back to 1 John. 1 John 4, 1 through 4, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. Hereby you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come, come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already it is in the world." Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Again, he in, in John, he, he first John here, he's giving a warning that these these things are coming. Let's these um let's try these spirits. <clears throat> 
2,000 years ago, the spirit of the Antichrist was already in the world. Anti means against instead of. The Antichrist, they are against. The Antichrist comes against the true Christ and presents himself instead of Christ. There are many false Christs and false messiahs through the years. Okay, let's, um, let's go to the second one. The division of continuing conflict in verses 6 and 7. And you shall hear wars and rumors of wars, and see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. You know, in the news, the news is full of what's going on in the Ukraine right now. It's, it's full of what's happening in our world around us today. And, uh, and you know, you would think by now man would have solved the problem of war. But Jesus said that there will be wars and rumors of war. It is not going to happen. Man cannot solve their own problems. This world is plagued by war. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, war, terrorism, hijacking, bombings, assassinations have been growing in number and it is intensifying. Why? Because man has walked away from God. Man is so far away from God. And, you know, all these things, these things, you know, they read, they um, replace the borders in these different countries and they do all these, you know, like in a um, sedan, you know, they put a new dividing, put a new line there. You know, it's not going to solve the problem of mankind. You know, when we walked away from God. Let's uh, the third one. There's going to be a violent destruction of dis natural disasters. OK, um, Verse uh, 7 and 8, it talks about famines and pestilence, earthquakes and diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows and, uh, and uh, famine. You know, no rain. You know, how many times if there's no rain, there's going to be a famine? Nothing grows. And sometimes famines are man-made. You know, because of political world, there's famine. There's people that are starving because it's, it's man-inflicted. And uh, it's not because it's not raining. It's man-inflicted. There's going to be a great tribulation. What all that means, I'm not sure. But a great tribulation. Let's go to Revelation 6. And Revelation 6. Verse 6. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see that... And see thou, thou, thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So, you know, there's going to be great tribulation here. There's going to be, um, you know, it's going to take masses amount of money to, just, to buy, uh, get a loaf of bread. And, uh, you know, all these things have to come to pass for the end to come. You know, and how that's all going to look like in the places where we live and where we're at in, t in our society, I don't know. But Christian, let's not lose heart. Jesus talks of plagues. You know, what about the plagues that we have today? COVID-19, which was still on the onslaught of the, on the news. The flus, the Ebola, continue to come. Biological and, and uh, commercial warfare. Plagues are a sign in these days in which we live. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's happening. Jesus mentions earthquakes. If you look at a, at a map, you know, they keep talking about this big, huge earthquake that's supposed to hit the West Coast. And everybody that's on... The west side, west coast. I mean, Interstate Five is going to be um, going to have a problem. So that means me, because I'm on the west side. 
So if you live on the east side of the Interstate 5, you're in good shape. I think they just use the Interstate 5 as a, as a line. But, you know, these things are happening. You know, I talked to, I talked to a man yesterday. He called me in a, bit, a, bit, a place where I do a lot of business with, and he called me and some stuff we had on order we've been waiting and waiting for. And he's just like, this world's just a mess. This man is not a Christian. What I think is interesting, his grandfather was a, a, was a preacher, was a born again, and he talked about his grandfather. And I'm just like, what happened to you? And uh, why did you give up on the faith? You know, his name's John. And I told him, I said, John, you know, these things in the past, I didn't tell him this yesterday, but in the past I told him, John, these things, these things are shaking to us. You know, the things that are happening. Well, you know, he's like, well, if we'd have a different president, this and this and this would happen. Well, maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. You know, our minds go down that road. But, you know, we have to maintain God has set up kingdoms. He's going to take down kingdoms. We have to realize that like the Sunday school, um, uh, the Bible study, I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate the thought. I don't even know who said it, but get, let God be God. You know, if God wants to speak through a young lady or a young man and, and, and uh, you know, can I put God in a box? And yes, I want to stick with the word of God. But, you know, how many times, you know, if we're struggling with something in our lives, and, you know, we're talking to somebody at church, and maybe it's a young lady, maybe it's a young man, or maybe, maybe it's a, a business um, partner out there, and, they're, and they say this thing that really speaks to you. You know, that's happened to me. And you're trying to wrestle with what you should do, and this person just speaks life to you. That's exactly what I needed to hear, you know. The fourth thing, the hatred of committed Christians, taken out of Matthew, out of verses 9 and 10. Let's look at this a little bit. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And we say, well, that happens in a Muslim country, you know, or in a communist country. You mention the name of Christ, you'll, you'll, they'll chop your head off. And they shall be hated in all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Hatred toward Christianity. And, you know, it just seems like Satan is on the loose. He's, his hatred toward Christianity, even the world as a whole, the community as a whole, they're hating the things of Christ, the things of God, more and more. <clears throat> we are going to be hated if we love the Lord Jesus Christ. Religious persecution will increase at the end of the age. It is going to be centered on Christianity. It will be centered on Christianity. As Satan uh, launches his his uh, his warfare against the Christian, he will use men. He will use people. It is estimated, and I wrote this down. It is estimated more Christians were tortured and killed in 12 months of World War II. They died under than died under Rome and all the early churches. Get that. There is more Christians killed in 12 months of World War II. They died. That died under Rome and all the early, of, of the early churches. Here's another thing I found. Some authorities claim that over 50 million Christians have died in Russia and other communist countries because they named the name of Christ. I would like to think that I would be of the faithful. I would like to think that my faith would be strong enough to see me to the end. I would like to think that. But it's only God's grace that is going to get us there. And it's going to, is my faith unshakable? 
I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, most of you know who Wyatt Pegg is. <laughs> and uh, I deeply appreciate him. And uh, when this whole COVID-19 thing was going on, I, um, we went up and we had an off Sunday here on a, on a fourth Sunday, on a five Sunday month. And we went up there. I enjoy going to that church to visit. And, uh, and afterwards, Wyatt um, invited us over to his place for lunch. And we talked about COVID-19, how it's affecting God's people, the church at large, you know, the Anabaptist circles that we would be involved in. And he said something that I have often thought about. He said, Glenn, we're not doing very good. Said, yeah. What do you mean? He said, how long is it going to be till we Christians stand up and be who we're supposed to be? And I could tell it was a burden to him. And I had to think. You know, how much did we really, I am not here to tell you to, to do away with the sickness, the flu, or whatever you want to call it. It's out there. That's not my point. But how did we respond as Christians? That bothered me tremendously. And you don't have to wonder, how are we going to be affected when persecution comes? We need to ask ourselves some of these hard questions. How will I respond when hardcore, when hardcore persecution comes? What about the early church when Rome was just slaughtering Christians like rats? And let's get a little closer home. How, how would I respond if, if I was living in the 1500s and these Anabaptist people were gaining traction? You read in a Martyr's Mirror. I started reading a Martyr's Mirror. It's a big, huge book. I thought, boy, that's a 10-year project for me. I'm a slow reader. How would have I been? Would have I recanted, you know, in a cold, dark dungeon cell? How would have I done? You know, these are some things that we need to ask ourselves. How am I going to how am I going to respond when 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 I'm asked to do something? The world is asking me to do something that totally violates Scripture. Am I going to find a loophole that I can somehow... You know, these are some hardcore questions I need to ask myself. Since Jesus ascended, no generation has seen such worldwide persecution as it is today. You know, you just have to, have to read in the Voice of the Martyrs or a magazine like that, and you will see and see that people are just slaughtered for the name of Christ. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see here. Christians today are widely mocked in the media. Persecution in the last day will turn to a white-hot, fiery furnace like Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. You know, Nebuchadnezzar tried to wipe out these, these men who did not do what he who would not bow the knee. You know, what if I was those three men? How would have I done would I have done okay? Would I have been stood there with them? You know, would I have been one of those men who would have stood up? You know, I don't really care what you, what you do to us. We will not bow the knee to your graven image. You know, God took a little... I think it's just interesting how God says, You know what, Nebuchadnezzar, you go right ahead. You go through them in that furnace. I will have the last word. You know, I think it's interesting. You know, the people that shucked them in there. They, they died because of the fire. You know, it's the same way. This passage of Scripture I was going to read in Daniel. 
You know how Daniel, you know, these men, they, they, they um, plotted against him. And how that, uh, you know, they didn't want anybody for 30 days. Those guys were wicked to the core. And you know, Darius the king, he didn't stop and think about his love for Daniel. I think, I truly believe Darius, he had a, a respect and a love for Daniel, even though Darius the king was not a, what I would call a righteous man. But he was more righteous in some regards than those evil men that plotted against him. There was jealousy involved in those men, in those men's hearts. And those men knew what they were doing, those evil men. They said, you know, you can't, you, they made this law, you cannot, you cannot ask anything but of the king and Darius the king. He never even thought about it. I'm just going to call him his friend Daniel. And you know, when they found out, when Darius the king found out, Daniel, no way. And it says that he strove to the end of the day to try to deliver. And they're like, no way. The law of the Medes and the Persians do not change. You've got to see this thing through. And it says in the evening, they put him down in there. And Darius, he prophesied, the God you serve will protect you. And I thought that was interesting. And you know, the lion's den was silent that night. I believe those lions, as, 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 as the God, as he sent his angels there to deliver Daniel. And in the morning, he says, in the early morning, the king rose up to go check on his friend Daniel. And there, Daniel, has your God delivered you? And Daniel responds back and says, O king, live forever. You know, those were the most blessed words I think that king had heard for a long time. My God has delivered me. And you know, there was probably this indignation that rose up within King Darius. All right, it's your turn. You're going in there. So he rounds up the children, these evil men, their wives, their children, and shucked them all in there, in the lion's den. And the Bible says that all the bones were broken before they hit the bottom. Them lions, God says, give it to them. Would I be like Daniel Bold, who purposed in his heart, I will not partake of the king's meal. Would I purpose in my heart, you know what? I'm going to continue to pray to my God. I will continue to do all these things. For my God, I will live out my Christianity regardless if you throw me in the lion's den or not. It matters little to me. Because if you do, I'm going to heaven. In essence. Persecution in the last days. How am I going to do? Okay, the fifth thing. <clears throat> the, dist the distortion of Christless cults will be here. Let's uh, look at verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive and shall deceive many. It does not say it's going to deceive all them, but it will deceive many. When a man ceases to believe in the one true God, it doesn't mean that he will believe in nothing. It means that he will believe in anything. It means that he will believe in anything. The devil loves religion. The, the devil is full of religion. He loves religious people. Long as they don't bow the knee to Jesus. There are people today who want to shape, to mold society in their way of thinking. They are deceiving many into their ways. Let's turn all the way back to Genesis. We'll see here in Genesis chapter 6 some things that happen here. And what God says... 
Genesis chapter 6, let's start at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, God, that, look, that, that just looks like a despairing thought process. And he repented to the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. The cross references, it, 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 the repented means, it, I am sorry that I have made them. And verse, verse 8 says it this way, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And verse 9 it says that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Are you walking with God this morning? Are you? Ask yourself, would, would God say that about you? That Noah walked with God? Put your name in there. And he saw that. He saw wickedness all around. And yet, Noah walked with God. <clears throat> the imaginations. The word imagination here has the idea of, of um, how should I say this, of carefully crafted philosophies to mold. These philosophers were trying to fit society into their mold. New Age humanism takes the teachings of all the world and tries to synchronize them into their own system. I get that. They believe God revealed himself in Jesus, but that he also revealed himself in Buddha and others. That's not true. It's not true. The sixth thing, the heart of carnal coldness. Chapter, let's see here. Verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And, the iniqu and because iniquity, because sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, this morning as I was reading that verse, I just read, I sat there and I just meditated on that verse. Because the sin abound, because sin abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And I'm like, Lord, how does this apply to me? And this thought came to me when I was in my young teenage years. Um, I came face to face as I worked for this man that I went to church with. I came to, and we got into all these different farming communities and on these jobs and these godless men, you know, evil men. You know, they didn't have, they didn't regard God in their heart. And uh, you know, those men would take God's name in vain, just like unshamefully. And I remember telling my employer one day, I says, man, I said, I'm surprised God don't come and slap their face. You know, they, they, they bring him down to their level. And to me, as a young man, that was just unheard of. In, in, in my growing I, I just never, I was, I was just put out there. And all of a sudden, I was face to face with all these types of things. I'm like, wow. You know, people actually... And I was taught to honor God. God is supreme. God is almighty. And we were taught to love and respect who God is. And here these godless men were taking God's name in vain, saying very derogatory things about him, and just as their common everyday talk. And as I looked at that, but you know, there's a day 
came, as I continued to work with it, it didn't sound as bad. You see what's happening? Because, of the, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, you become used to it. It made it no more right then than it did back then. But, you know, we become, we become there's something, we build a, 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 a thing around our heart, so to speak, and it don't sound as brutal as it used to be. And yet nothing changed. You see what I'm saying? And see, that's how it is. The love of many shall wax cold because we become used to this sin, this debauchery, and all these things that are happening around us. We be, and, you know, it, it, these things that come into our life, whether it's, whether it's business or whatever we're involved in, we, we, our love for God isn't what it needs to be. It says our love, the love of many shall wax cold because the world is taking away. They're pouring water. You know, we have a lot of firemen in our churches today. They just want to they just want to cool you down. If you know if you got a testimony for God that you got a testimony that uh, and you want to see God work and you and you want to see a church that's alive and doing well. And you're in this church and the church is cold and and. And you know they don't they don't really want to talk to you because the only thing you want to talk about is Jesus. And you you know, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. You know, you start talking about their relationship with God and, and the things of God, the conversation soon goes cold. Why? Because the love of many wax cold. That's why. You know what? Let's talk about the grass seed price and hold it. Let's talk about the diesel pickups and hold it. We get all kinds of conversations going on. Let's talk about the John Deere R Series tractors and the new thing on the market. We got all kinds of good things going on. We got lots of conversation. The new model pickup that just came out. You know, what's happening? You know, which pickup has the most horsepower? The new sports car. I'm not in sports cars. But all these things, you know. We got lots of, but let's talk about the Word of God. What's this God telling you this week? What, 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 where are we at with God? And all of a sudden, it just goes deathly cold. We're done. The conversation's over. I, I remember standing at the last day of school, leaning up against a fence, and there was a lot of war hooping and shouting and screaming and yelling over a stupid ball. I just, I told the man standing beside me. I told, I told him, I says, man, all this fuss over a, a four or five inch ball. Really? Really? I said, I wonder what your church service is going to sound like tomorrow morning. That's what I asked him. I said, do you think there will be that much noise tomorrow morning at church at 10 o'clock? He doubted it. I said, I highly doubt it too. <clears throat> I think he was, but because the love of many shall wax cold, because of sin, because of iniquity, because all these things want to crowd out the things of God. You know, the, what about the parable, the, the, the story of the sower? All these things happen. The good soil. Do you have good soil this morning? Ask yourself. Do I, do I have a, a good bed of soil where God can sow the seed and it grows? People will be cold-hearted in the last days. False prophets will take away the moral base. What is right? Is wrong, and what is wrong is right, and that, that reminds me of a conversation I had a phone conversation with. Him. I said, "Hey, I said the bottom line: we lost our moral compass. You know what is, and just what I wrote there: what is right they call wrong, 
And what is biblical is wrong. Did I say that right? What is right, they call wrong, the world. And what is right, they call wrong. Did I get that right? What they call right, <laughs> what is supposed to be right, they call wrong. What they call wrong. They call right. Right? Okay. <laughs> to drive this point home, I'm getting off. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so here's, here's an example to punch in case I said it wrong. They kill babies. Now, who in their right mind would want to kill a baby? You know, most of the time I see these young girls, you know, very young, that are, they're caressing a baby like they've done it for 20 years. That's okay. It's okay. In our world today, it's okay to kill a baby. Homosexual marriages, man with man, woman with woman, it's okay. When God's Word deliberately says it's wrong. And they're rubber stamping. It's okay. Why? We find humane ways to kill and do away with our old people. Really? I like old people. And the reason is because they have a wealth of knowledge that I need. You know, I've often thought, wouldn't it have been kind of cool... To sit down and talk to Methuselah. Can you imagine the wealth of information? You wouldn't even need a computer, Dennis. He, and all his life's experiences. All the things that happened to him. You know, in today's age, we would have somehow, you know, he's 969 years old. It's time for him to go away. The world says... We can give you a shot, we can give you a pill, we can do whatever, and you will just die in your sleep. And the wealth of knowledge will go with you. And we call that right. When you take away the moral compass, you destroy the fire and the glow of true love. You substitute the fire of love with lust. Yeah. You know, did you ever hear of the word theology? How many of you heard the word theology? We all did. You know what we turned it to? A meology. That's what we turned it to. Iniquity. This word here, iniquity, I looked it up. It means sin, but also means this. Look it up. It means the lawlessness. Our hearts have become hardened. Our society has replaced godly love with selfish lust and protectionism. Yeah. Why? Because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know, I just want to, I just want to provoke you, each one here and myself. Let's not let let the things of this world make us grow cold and indifferent, um, and not love the things that God says I love. You know, how many times have you been asked, "What is worldliness? What what's the world?" You know, I'm not even going to try to give you a list. You know what I tell people? Anything that militates against God, that's part of the world system. If it militates against God, it's, it's part of the world system. The last thing. The command of Christ's commission. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. 
And this is, I like this. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. I like that. What a piece of encouragement. After all these things that Jesus said, he said in verse, in verse 13, he says, these are the words of Jesus, that he shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. There's hope for us Christians. There's hope for you here this morning. That you will be saved if you will endure. So let's be good soldiers of the cross. Let's take this gospel to all the world. And uh, it don't say to every person. We'll touch on that a little bit later. It says to all the world. Jesus commissioned us to take the gospel to, to, all, to all the world. Jesus did not tell us to win the world. We're to take the gospel to the whole world. And it will be done and is being done. Did you get that? He didn't tell us to win the whole world. He told us to take the gospel to the whole world. It's free. It's free for your taking. It costs you nothing, and yet it costs you everything. The gospel was not given to save civilization from wreckage. wreckage. I found this quote. The gospel was not given to save civilization from wreckage, but to save men from the wreckage, wreckage of civilization. Did you get that? I'll read that quote again. I liked it. So I wrote it down. The gospel was not given to save civilization from wreckage, but to save men from the wreckage of civilization. From, from Jesus' ascension till the time he comes again, there is going to be the preaching of the gospel worldwide. You know, we are to preach the gospel wherever we are, how you live. You know, sometimes the only Bible that, that, the men will, that people will pick up is our life. You know, one time I was observing someone's life and I didn't know where he was at, but there was something different about him. And I thought, you know, I bet you this guy's a Christian. You know, there was probably doctrinal things we wouldn't agree on, but you know, there was something different about him. You know, and it was interesting to watch him, how he responded. And, you know, he, um, so then we got talking about the deeper things in life. Yes, he loved the Lord and he, he really wanted to walk in the light. And I believe he was walking the light that God gave him. Not every individual, but all nations have heard the gospel. And uh, in Matthew 14, it says, I'll read it again. It says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So if we want to see the end come, we have work to do. So I just want to encourage you today to be faithful. Let's quickly finish up here with the conclusion. And uh, let's just trust the work of God. I will, you will be without excuse and all these things. Let's turn to Romans. There's a, few, there's a couple of verses I just want to read to you. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's go to Romans 10. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 9 through 10, it reads like this. And thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let's go to Acts 16. Acts, we were studied in Acts today. Let's go back to Acts 16, verse 31. And it reads like this. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Let's go in John 3.16. We all know that verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him shall not, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent His Son... Sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. You know, my challenge to you is call on the name of the Lord today while it is yet today, while it is called yet today. You know, it's hard for me. Why do men love darkness rather than light? You know, when the light is sheds, it sheds what the true colors are. It sheds what's, what we're really about if the true light of Jesus comes in. And uh, last night we were just grilling. And I just took my phone flashlight and looked into it. It was dark out there. I couldn't see nothing. I just showed my flashlight in the... And the grill, and it really showed what was really going on in there. And you know, it was all good. It was all good. And uh, that's the way the light of Jesus it shines into our hearts. It shines into the dark corner of our hearts. It shows who we really are. And that is my prayer. God, the other day I was driving to work. God, really show me really who, what I really am made of inside. Who am I really? And uh, it's a scary prayer to pray. And and yet, if we really want to know what's going on inside, we need to ask God to show us, to shine his light in the dark corners of our heart. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your love for us today. And thank you that you care about us. And, Lord, we recognize that we are living in the last days. We are in the end times. And uh, I know people have preached that for many, many years in my short lifetime. And yet, we are closer now than ever before. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be a light in this dark world. And that we'd be like this light that's on a hill, shining bright for you. And many times, Lord, we allow things into our lives that give a cloudy lens. We're not shining as bright as we should. And I just pray, Lord, that we would just free of ourselves, all the baggage that we have, and just be able to shine bright for you. I just pray for Brother Roger, Sister Phoebe, and the girls that are on this trip, Lord. I pray, Lord, that wherever they're at, you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that you would shine through them and that they would encourage a fellow traveler along the way. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.